You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Yeah, this is us crashing the opening. Mm. Crash! Just a uh, word, Matt's not happy with his headphones this morning. No, I've just had a little no. tanty. It's like the... No. Oh, we, Headphone tanty. We even sound different. Really? To me. To uh, no one else. Yes, my name's Cam Smith. Uh, the person who sounds a little bit different to himself is... is Matt Stedman. How are you, Cam? You're looking well on this bloody awesome late autumn Sunday here in Melbourne town. I'm good. Do you hear the papers rustling? That's a lot of paper because we've got a lot on the show today. Oh, my God. It's just fantastic. I'm really looking forward to the show today because mm-hmm. uh, we've got a lot of stuff and I thought we might just um, crash that intro just to let you know... Who? Mm. What is it, whom? No, it's singular, isn't it? Okay. Um, anyway, who's on the show? Mm. Good question. I'm glad you asked me that. First of all, before we go into that, we must thank the uh, scientists for their wonderful, wonderful hour of radio. Yes. And you wanted to mention something. Well, as we continue to look back. So radiotherapy this morning had an excellent little d- exploration of the issues around um, sugar tax. a sugar tax. So after Four Corners last week sort of uh-huh. surfaced the issue again. Something we've been talking about on this show for quite some time is consumption of sugar mm. um, and whether taxing is the right way to uh, attempt to tackle that problem or not. And possibly whether the uh, the tactics used by the sugar industry are sim- similar to tobacco. Mm. Yes, yes, so it's a good little segment. So, um, might last, be worth having a look. Last 20 minutes of radiotherapy, you can get it on demand on the website, or probably their podcast too. Kent probably just pumps out the podcast at some point this morning. He's gone. He's gone. He must have done it already. Yeah. Um, on today's show, looking forward to this mm. Renee Trudeau. She's a chef. Yes. Uh, little Latin Lucy down there at Paradise Alley in Easy Street. I'm, Easy Street, always, Collingwood. Listen to those words coming together. Does that sound like a great place to go? <laughs> Paradise Alley in Easy Street. Paradise. Where do you work? Ah, oh, Paradise Alley in Easy Street. <laughs> um, Rene Trudeau is uh, doing some fabulous Mexican food mm-hmm. and um, is also going to be um, at uh, a Good Beer Week event. Only a few more sleeps, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Until Good Beer Week starts on the 11th of May and goes through to the 20th. Yes. So, Renee Trudeau, we're going to talk a little bit about what she's going to be doing mm-hmm. for uh, the event she's going to be at, but more specifically, um, an American who cooks Mexican food. Well, food of her area of the West Coast of America. Yes. And how does that transplant over here and how has it changed? And maybe what you need to have in your pantry and what you can do. Sort of my favourite thing, like travelling to America, it's one of my favourite things you get over there, which is harder to get here, which is that Mexican influence. Things like beans for breakfast, mm. all that good stuff. Mm. It's just delicious, which we don't, haven't really embraced in Melbourne as yet, but we're starting to. Poco, epoco. Mm. Little by little, Yep, we're going to be doing that. So, um, Renee's kicking us off mm. um, and kicking deep, uh, which would be great. And then what we do is we have a contrast. Mm. Um did you tweet this I image? Did. I did, I did. How do people find our tweets if we tweet? Eat it, ah, 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 is the... That's fairly uh, obvious. Yeah. Fairly obvious. You just whack that into the into the search engine of your choice. A tale of two cookbooks. Um, Campion and Curtis in the kitchen. Mm. Uh, Alan Campion, Michelle Curtis, who are hopefully en route. Apparently they are sentient beings and they yes, are tweeting, we have are. said. Yes. Um, but 2002, this first book came out. It's known as The Gold Book. Um, a great kitchen reference. Mm-hmm. And we were sort of ruminating sort of about what the world was like in 2002. 2002 is a long time ago. 2002. So, well, I was thinking my memories of that sort of era, we were sort of just coming off the end of the, the Moroccan everything. So Moroccan everything. Everyone was buying Every- tagines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also the things that hadn't happened. So, you know, we hadn't, as a city, really fully embraced Pan-Asian sort of cuisine. Hadn't gone full molecular. Hadn't gone full molecular at that yeah. point. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting chatting to Alan and Michelle yeah. now that they have released an updated version of the same book. In the Kitchen 2018, which um, it's is thicker. one hell of a tome. Looks it's great. Beautiful mm. layout. We're going to talk to them about that. What's mm. changed? Oh, did you hear that? That's That went thump. <laughs> that was, subwoofers would have gone crazy well, all it's, around it's, Melbourne. The, the Hardy Grant Centre's a couple, and um, it's heavy. The package was heavy. This is a thick book. It is. It is indeed. And then, um, that's what that's it, it sounds like. Yeah. There you go. Radio with pictures. Yes, holding it up to the microphone. Holding it up to the microphone. Um, and then uh, from uh, Rambler and Leonard's House of Love, mm-hmm. 
Um, we've got Nick Stanton, um, known as... Well, I don't know if he's known as it. Mm. Maybe. Oh, everyone's looking in. They're going, What's, <laughs> what are you going to say, Cam? <laughs> um, the chef's chef. Right. In one service yeah. at uh, Rambler in uh, Chapel Street. Yes. Uh, near the Paran Market, just to give you a little bit of an idea. In yes. In this sort of blacked out restaurant. In the audience, mm-hmm. or the diners, Shane Delia. Yes. Andrew McConnell. Yes. Uh not for sure it was John of Frank Van Handel from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Stokehouse Group and all yes. that sort of stuff. And Joanna Raymond. So he's feeding the chefs of Melbourne. So <laughs> he's got to be doing something right. He's um, he's had an interesting life of uh, of cooking and we thought we might have a bit of a chat to him. So yeah. it all sounds kind of good. So we've got four cooks slash chefs on the show today. We sure do. Too many, too many cooks, barely enough. One thing I wanted to mention, I was in town... Mm-hmm. Last night? Yes. Pumping. It was just seething. The restaurants are just going completely off. This is, I think this is just the new normal for yes, us Melbournians. I actually don't get into the city that much at night. Like if, if I'm going to pop into the city for a meal, I normally do it like a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, which is mm. a top tip because then you can get into most places. But it's, it's busy. Um, I, would, I would always advise against now popping into the city without a reservation somewhere, I think. That is foolhardy, and and even so, for for some bars like um, yeah. popped into Boilermaker, mm. even in there, I have not Lonsdale Street, one mm. of the biggest collections of whiskies in this town, mm. so professional, mm. such a great place. And you know what a Boilermaker is by any chance? Uh, someone who makes boilers, very good man. Thank no, you. no, that that's one definition. Yours. Okay, but um, from a drinking point of view, a mm. Boilermaker is a shot of whiskey mm. with a beer chaser. Oh. And then maybe a little bit of something to eat with it. And yeah, these right. people just excel in that. The other thing I very, very quickly wanted to mention is mm-hmm. the fact that the east end of Little Burke Street, so, yes. you know, from Exhibition up to Spring Street, there is an interesting little precinct sort of that's developing up there. Mm. And someone said to me yesterday, actually it was Alan Campion who's coming in, um, uh, that it's almost like this is the new Flinders Lane. Mm. So, you know, around there you've got Long Song. Yep. Um, you've got Sarasan. Yep. Um, Anan has just Anan, opened. Anan, uh, mm-hmm. who's got a brand new menu, which is mm. um, incredible. Juliet, uh, downstairs bar, incredible, mm. uh, featuring a lot of um, women winemakers. Mm. It's worth a look. Mm. It really, and Anan is certainly worth a look because, as I said, new menu. Anyway, 12.09, we're looking like we're going pretty well. We need to get Renee in because yeah. uh, we can't tarry with this show, can we, folks? No. Too much to do. Mm. All right. Let's uh, run some ads. I'm going to grab Renee and we'll have a chat about little Latin Lucy in Paradise Alley. And it's good beer too. Twelve ten, eleven. Time just marches on here at uh, at the trip. How's your Sunday going? What are you doing? It's a good day. You should mm. get out of the house. And uh, a person that did get out of the house to uh, come and visit here and will soon escape unscathed, Renee, <laughs> uh, is Renee Trudeau. A very very good afternoon, and thank you for coming in. Hello, thanks for having me. Where are you from? California. 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 Um, what part? Uh, over near San Francisco, so Marin County. Yes. Sort of tucked between Sonoma and San Francisco. And is it sort of similar to to Australia, geographically and sort of terrain and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I'd say so. Climate wise, I think Melbourne's Melbourne and like where I'm from, Sonoma County, Marin County are very similar. Mm. Like flat, lots of uh, vineyards. Uh, you know, expensive Napa. real estate, oh, bloody yeah. hell! Yeah, like that, that's probably the most expensive agricultural land in the USA, isn't it? Probably, yeah. If yeah. you can afford to live in the Napa Valley, you're doing you're doing all right. You're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good. Pretty good. So, how long have you been here for? Uh, eight years in Australia and eight two years. years in New Zealand. And so. New Zealand, and uh, over here, you did a little bit of work with um, Huxtable, Gertrude Street, and Attacker. Uh, and Clever Polly's. Clever Polly's, uh, yeah. Yep, so a little wine bar that was in North Melbourne. Yes. Uh, yeah. So and and now you're at Little Latin Lucy. Little Latin Lucy. Yeah. You've been there for a while now. Yeah, so for one year. Um, yeah. Actually coming up in the end of May. We've yes. Been, yeah, open for that long. 
It's great. Wow, congratulations. And, and uh, I'll just this is the obvious questions, but what sort of food are you doing over there? Uh, so I'm kind of more on the side of Mexican food, but I try and pick from different other cuisines in Latin America. So um, my mom's Colombian. Mm. And, uh, and so she's here. She's here, yeah. Just <laughs> All the way from California. Yeah. <laughs> and Colombia. Uh, yeah, so I try and mix it up a little bit. You know, we've got empanadas and arepas that are Colombian. And, yes. Um, you know, but I think my my preference is Mexican, I guess. No, mm. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like flavors wise and complexity of food and you know like that's that's more me and uh, I like to throw in a little bit of smoking as well in there so yeah I've got a little smoker in the front and you know get the neighbors pretty upset when I because you do you do some <laughs> pretty delicious lamb ribs do you not yeah I used to do lamb ribs yeah I haven't done those in a while but I used to smoke them for a good uh, eight, hours eight hours outside so. yeah and then um, did some duck tacos. For a while there, um, but just mix it up a bit, you know. I kind of, mm. I can't sit still, and um, I get a bit bored fast. So it's good that there's Change so many, menu. so Change many things menu. to do, you know. That's it's endless possibilities with it, you know. Really, Melbourne um, had terrible Mexican food for a long Taco time. Bill, yeah, yeah. Well, it's okay. It was sort of. What was it? The good thing about Taco Bill used to be that you used to be able to get lots of slushy margaritas to sort of drown the drown, drown, the, drown the food in. And in fact, um, uh, Taco Bills I actually worked for for two days, and it's the only place I actually walked out of. <laughs> After the guy said, "Okay, what we want you to say is bonus to your senoritas," and I remember I pulled off my poncho and just handed it to him. And just, I'm going to get out I'm of out. here, man. I'm no, out. no, that's it. Mic drop. It. Yeah, yeah my, it was a mic drop moment, but. Mexican food has been on the up and the improve, I would say. How has it changed since you first came here? There is Mexican food, yeah, <laughs> aside and from taco La, la, la tortilla didn't exist yeah. when you first came here. Probably the, the best maker of tortillas. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. We, we use them. Or I, I use them. Um, yeah, they're they're awesome. And, uh, you know, you've got Casa Iberico as well, which is just over here. They've got... Yeah. They've got all the, the wonderful, wonderful women of uh, Casa Iberica. Yeah, they've got yeah. all the wonderful, um, you know, imports and everything. They're bringing in the chilies from Mexico. And, like, it makes it a lot easier for me to, you know, to cook Mexican food when you've got, like, the chipotles and all the dried chilies. First place I ever saw chipotle. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what are these dried up things? <laughs> oh, wow, no, these look great. And so the ingredients have become more broader of what we can get. We have a homegrown... Uh, factory that uh, makes incredible tortillas. Yep, yep. Um, and I guess more and more people are understanding what real Mexican food is. Yeah, yeah. And there's also, on top of that, you know, it's very produce-driven as well. And there's quite a few people who are starting to, to grow tomatillos and, you know, grow different varieties of, of chilies, you know. So even in that respect, you know, you've got that that available to you now where you didn't used to have tomatillos you know it used to come out of a tin what are um, tomatillos for those that haven't had them uh that's sort of like a green green tomato but almost nice, like a nice gooseberry high and looking a, yeah a mixture between sort of a tomato and a cape gooseberry yeah because it's got this sort of high acid a little that, husk on the outside oh, and they yeah. just make the most beautiful salsa don't they oh it's amazing and in you can't compare like a fresh tomatillo salsa you know that you, you've done yourself compared to, like, a tin, you know, brined tomatillo that you just buy at the store, you know. Um, it's night and day. Yeah. yeah. And um, have you um, – the menu – like, you sound like you're, you're – I wouldn't say restless, but always wanting to change and do new things. So what sort of new things are you doing uh, down there in Paradise Alley? Paradise Alley. Uh, well, uh, what – what are we doing? That's different. I've got the empanadas on right now that kind of changed. So Mum's pastry by any chance? No, no. Oh, sorry, Mum again. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> that's twice now. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. She's going to oh, leave. God, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, so well, I you got to take her out for lunch, don't you? I do, I yeah, do. Yeah, okay, so she has to stay. But I like to mix it up a bit. So as opposed to just doing, you know, traditional, you know, mince fillings, sometimes I'll do a, a blood pudding like Ooh. in it, you know, or in morcia. Morcia. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Always homemade. Yes. Um, always changing up the tacos between, you know, like pulled pork or like a uh, smoked brisket. Um, what's the best fish to use for a taco? You reckon? Uh, I really like snapper, snapper, snapper cod for me. Yeah. So nice, yeah. a nice big white fillet yeah. type sort of thing. Yeah. Rockling works pretty well as well. 
Rock cling's bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. It's you can you can bounce it off walls and it'll <laughs> stay together. That's sort of the good thing about it, isn't like it? Like a rock. Yeah, like a rock. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so lots of different tacos and sort of stuff like that. And the good news is that you're going to be at the Arbury next Saturday, the 12th oh, yeah. of May. Yep. Down there in that old, um, what used to be, I don't know, Platform 12 or whatever it was. Yeah. Good beer week. Good beer week. Lots of beer. Good guys. All those guys over there. They're great. Have I got, um, do I, do I? Yes, I do. So Nick Bennett, chef there, he's going to be doing some stuff. He's kind of awesome. Uh, Dylan Roberts. And it's Diana Chan. Yeah. 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 Um, And uh, also beers are going to be, I'm very, very interested in seeing the Garage Project from New Zealand. Flying the uh, the flag proudly, Sailor's Grave, one of my favourite beer makers um, down there in Gippsland. Which I, you would have had Sailor's Grave last. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. bloody rocks. They're great. Um, weird and wonderful beers, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the, the lactic beers that they do. Like they're oh, they're all so good. And it really Tan- wo- tangerine dream or whatever. I don't know. That- it works with that sort of food, doesn't it? The food oh, yeah. that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stomping ground, and of course uh, that perennial favourite and the pioneers. We could say Matt Mountain Goat. Yes. Oh, nice work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, microphone back on now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, and what are you cooking? What are you going to be doing? You, can you well, give a little preview? Yeah, so I'll be working with Stomping Ground because um, we're, you know, being in Collingwood, we're pretty close mates with all those guys. And yeah. They're great and uh, support us uh, a lot, you know, and we'd like to support them. Hmm. But um, I'll do um, a ceviche, which is actually going to be cooked in their guava goza. Um, so Hold the phone. <laughs> a guava? A guava. Colombian guava goza. Bloody actually. hell. And what's a goza? Uh, it's like a sour, sour it's beer. It's a sour, sour beer. beer. So yeah. it's, it's that back to the sort of lactic thing you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. Sometimes I find that sometimes it can be a little bit harsh, you know, but this this one's, they do a pretty good job with these. I think they don't, it's not too overpowering, sour, you know. It's How do you make a ceviche? So you just cooked in acid, basically. It's raw, oh, sorry, acid. raw fish cooked in acid, acid. Protein. Make sure you pick the right acid. Yeah, I mean, don't cook chicken in it. Probably, it's, like, it's definitely fish. <laughs> Good move. Can you, um, can you write that down, man? Don't cook don't, chicken. Don't do chicken. Don't do don't chicken. Don't do don't chicken. Don't do chicken. Don't maybe chicken. You can, chicken. Actually, chicken ceviche. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, the salmonella ceviche. Sam- um, so okay, so you're going to be doing uh, snapper with lemon lime. Actually, I'm going to be doing ocean trout, but I'm cooking. I'm using um, their goza. Yes. Like so, the, I'm actually cooking the fish with the beer. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. And a little bit of lime juice as well. All right. Um, Renee, um, the good news is I think tickets are still available for the Arbor. I think it's about 85 bucks. Uh, go to Good Beer Week or I think there's probably be a portal on the Arbor because they're sort of on top of these sort of oh, things, yeah. aren't they? they? Yeah. They know their shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where are you going to take your mum? Uh, taking her to Paradise Alley. Yeah. Down the alley to Easy Come Street. Go, Easy Street, go baby. check out Little Latin Lucy. Yeah, yeah, that sounds That's great. actually where the name came from. It's what my dad used to call her when they first met. Get out of here. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing you next Saturday. Thank you for coming in. If people want to come down to Easy Street, they'll see you. When are you open? Uh, Wednesday through Sunday. Um, yes. From 4 on Wednesday, Friday, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and from 12 on Saturday and Sunday. Well, I think it's kind of awesome that we were able to drag you away from the place to get in <laughs> on a Sunday. Thank you so much Thank for you. coming in. <laughs> Thank you. That was all right, huh? Yeah, okay. 12, uh, 21. Matt's got a piece of paper. He's going to do a live read. Shall we do that now? Take it. Why not? Uh, Kemi, bite into it is Triple R's long-running computer and technology show. 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. I actually used to listen to it back when Duncan Donuts used to host it in the late 90s. That's how bloody old I am. And Karen Flavel, I remember. Yes. Yep. Anyway, go on. 25th anniversary. Now. So to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the weekly computer and technology show, bite into it. Uh, it's going to broadcast live from Melbourne Knowledge Week this week. I think it is Wednesday, May 9. Yes, that's this Wednesday, Matt. Yep. Uh, at the Meat Market in North Melbourne, um, you can head on down there and watch it live. Good it's free. Or, of course, you can just tune in on uh, Wednesday at uh, 7 p.m., as it always is. So free entry, come on down or tune in for Melbourne Knowledge Week. Uh, bite into its 25th anniversary. Sounds very cool. It does sound very, very cool. Uh, would you like to have some music? Uh, actually, I think we might play a couple of messages. Fair enough. And then we'll come back with uh, Michelle and Alan. He drives the bus. <laughs> Oh, 
Well, there we go. We're Turn back. that up. It is 12.24 here on a glorious Sunday. Um, autumn. Mm. It just keeps on going, it's, doesn't it's it? It's clinging on, isn't it? It just keeps on going. And we've got two people that just um, keep on going to Alan Campion, Michelle Curtis. A very, very good afternoon to you oh, both. Oh, what a pleasure afternoon. to be here. And Michelle, we've dragged you away. From my other baby. Which is? Frankie's Top Shop. In beautiful Cowderoy Street, yeah, downtown yeah. St Kilda. Perfect day for sitting outside eating brunch. It is indeed. And um, Matt and I were sort of were talking hmm. before about it's been a long time since, or a gestation, shall we say, bef- between Campion and Curtis in the kitchen. I'm holding up this little beauty. Yes, it is my, my copy. Yes, as you yes. said, is that your copy? It's in reasonable nick too. To Cam. 2002? Oh, yes. All those years ago? I was only ago. 10 when I wrote that. <laughs> yeah. mm, it's amazing. We were saying, how much has the world changed since 2002? I don't know if you were listening. As you we, were, yes, we, we were. were. So yeah. we, we've had the little, last little think about what you, you guys were talking about earlier. Yeah. And we came up with a raft of things. So we're just talking Melbourne. Let's talk Melbourne Please. food. Because we do think this is a very Melbourne cookbook. Yes. Because we have incredible cultures and a range of people here from around the world. And... You know, we, we still, I think as Michelle said, we love to cook at home still, mm. as well as we love to eat out. And you said last night the city was pumping, which it absolutely was. Wasn't it? But what were you saying, Michelle, about, you know... Well, where, I don't did... think you were talking about cuisines, like we're yes. saying on the end of the Moroccan yeah. cuisine. Yeah, yeah. What I think is different now, it's not cuisine-based, it's diet-based. So we're either paleo or we're vegan or mm. we're fructose intolerant or we're gluten. <laughs> well, well, it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's reality. a huge part. It yes. is the whole thing about when you get a bunch of people eating, you get someone who has a very large piece of paper who needs to write down the dietaries. That's right. Yeah. This Find is out it. about yeah. the dietaries. That's and right, I that's joke right. that when we did the last edition, which was 10 years ago, when yeah. that was the big red book that came out, um, there was no kale or quinoa recipes in the book. No. 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 There's a couple in this one. Not too many, but a few. But uh, And even to like the obsession with drinking green things. Yep. That didn't yep. exist 10 years ago. Such as? Oh, well, green juice, green, green smoothies. Yeah. Actually, we were thick in the, in the thicker wheatgrass shots, I think, about 10 years ago. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> well, you can't get wheatgrass for love or money these days. <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> yeah, they're gone, aren't they? They're gone. Well, one of the great things about this city, and I think what we were saying when we were listening to you on the, in the car, was that, yes, you know, all these amazing nationalities and cuisines that build into Melbourne as a city and what we love to eat, but they don't just come and go. They stay, and more gets added added to the mix. So, it's you a know, layer upon mm. layer. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. Dare I say, actually, a good metaphor is the tapestry that gets woven yes. in another sort of thread that comes yes. into the tapestry. And, and it gets richer and deeper. So, you know, we've had Peruvian in the last, so since 2002, Peruvian, mm. Argentinian, Mexican. Mexican. Well, with Renee, what she yeah. was talking yeah, about. absolutely. I was, Michelle, you know, into pulled pork and pulled beef, which recipes yeah. are now in the book. Korean. Yes. yes. Because Korean has finally yes. sort of cut through. Yep. yep. And some of these cuisines you're just hanging out for them to, to, to go. Because, yes. you know, you've had amazing kimchi and Korean barbecue, but there's only like four places in Melbourne that do it. Mm. And then five years later, go, yes, it's here. How fantastic. A bit like Mexican, like you said, Matt. In the US, Mexican food is fantastic. And when it finally started to kick into Melbourne, what a great thing that is. And those recipes are in here as well. You can do it at home. When did the decision get made that it's like, okay, we're going to bring the band back or we're going <laughs> to... All right. Get the band back. Come on. It's like, heave ourselves all right. Get the pen out and it's start writing all the wood. two years from the initial conversation what about... Happened? What was the initial conversation? The initial conversation was Hardy Grant saying they wanted to reprint the book. And I went, oh, really? excellent. Not, yes, not, yes. I don't cook that way. I've, cha- I've changed. It's not you, it's me. Michelle, for the better. <laughs> Always. Always. Yeah, of course. So, so what do you mean when you say, I don't cook that way anymore? How, well, what has what so evolved as a, as and a chef, yes. I had classical French training. And yes. that was, I think, when we wrote the original book back in 2001, um, the kids were very young and we were very much focused about being at home and cooking home-cooked uh-huh. meals, which is still a major part, but... You know, the kids, well, my son's working in the kitchen holding the fort down while I'm here. So I it's probably telling everybody yeah. what to do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's changed. You know, yes. that, that's a big part of it. But I've changed the way I eat as well. So 
Um, I've moved away from that sort of very heavy, rich sauce. We've moved away from that. We're yeah. much more salad. Otolenghi yeah. has had a huge yeah. impact on what yes. we cook and eat as well. Pulses, Pulses. legumes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's That's been a big part. Maybe even re as a lot of people have been doing well, over grains the last... Grains in general, um, yeah. Uh, while is rethinking the centre of the plate. Mm. Now, this is a very, yeah. very old notion, I think, first brought up by Cherry Ripe, who used yes. to write about that, yes. and about in back in the day. Mm. It was the giant piece of protein in yeah. the middle of the plate surrounded by a few... Potato onion. and some overcooked vegetables. There you go. Carrots, beans Whereas and now, <laughs> if I was to cook dinner, <coughs> we would have a couple of very interesting vegetable dishes. Yeah. So in that Ottolenghi style or a salad with grains and... Um, obviously using seasonal produce, our other favourite pastime. Um, and then you might just do like a big piece of slow cooked lamb or slow cooked pork. And it's that to me, the meat is still an essential part of the meal, but mm. it's not everything. Yep. Um, and definitely moving to a more vegetable based diet. Yeah. And mm. what about the meat free Mondays? Meat free Mondays they is didn't a thing. exist in 2002. Yeah. <laughs> well, not for the, everyone. I'm no. sure someone was onto it. Yeah, but, not sure. You know. I'm sure. But they hadn't yeah. become. Well, what, one thing that we were talking about on the way in, what did not exist in 2002, and Matt being more of a tech, I may well know, hmm. did Instagram exist in 2002? No, Matt? smartphones no didn't exist yeah, no. at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no so, iPads. You know, we were mm. not photographing every single thing that we just, <laughs> that's the final garnish. Just, you know, oh, I took a photo, now I can eat it. Mm. We didn't do that. And what's interesting about in the kitchen now, the approach that Hardy Grant has taken and what Michelle and them have worked together to do, there are no photographs in this book. Yes. So your food will be how you want it to be so you can't get it wrong. As long as it tastes great, you're okay. And I think that's that's a good thing because people pick it up and go, oh, no photos. So they start reading instead. Yes. And how good is that? Because this is a book for reading. You know, lots of recipes have stories and intros of where the recipe's from, and that's what we love. So it goes into your kitchen and becomes a real real used cookbook not on your shelf and we want to see it get dirty yes Mm. you know um, i got in trouble with someone yesterday because they're saying oh it's really clean i went and just smudged a bit of oil in there and they freaked out and they went oh my god and she was trying to actually wash it off i'm going no no no, actually i remember when someone else who has written some pretty famous cookbooks saw my cookbook was all dirty and sort of dog-eared that's the the perfect perfect yeah now one thing that wasn't around and i thought i'd just mention it and maybe that sort of leads on to what has sort of supplanted it bread makers were everywhere around then. Remember everybody had yeah. the bread makers? He used yeah. to have bread with the hole mm. in the bottom of it. Yes, yeah. delicious. Um, have, are there any, any gadgets that have sort of taken over? Uh, microplane graters, I reckon. It's not a gadget. Yes. Is that, what is it? Your, That's your just a necessity now, yeah, isn't but it? they probably weren't around 10 years ago. No, not, not, in, not in the home, in, not not in the home, in the home kitchen. Years. Do you know no. where they started off from? I remember the very first time we saw one together. Mm. We're going to go way back. Yes. Tasting Australia in Adelaide and Ferran Adria yeah, did this cooking demonstration that had a room full of food journalists in utter silence yeah. for about an hour, apart from when his assistant <laughs> oh, went yes. to the bathroom With and his... left his microphone going. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they're all speaking, in, uh, they're in, all speaking Spanish. in Spanish. He's singing and all you can hear is this. Him having a, oh, yeah. thank God it was the singing you heard. Yes, yes, go on, yes. Sorry, Alan, what so was the staff were So all the chefs were laughing as they realised what the food going on and when he came back into the room you can imagine the applause yeah and you go what did i do but baron adria did this demonstration where he basically got water and set it with gelatin and froze it and grated it with a microplane grater and we all went what is that i want one Mm. it first started it was the home handyman that was used to shape styrofoam and plaster and it was someone um, a, a very, very smart woman mm. said, I'm taking my husband thing and I'm using it in yeah. the kitchen. That was yeah. the birthplace for it. Mm. It is called Campion in the Kitchen. No, it's called no, in, it's in, not. in the Kitchen. No, it's called In the Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, all right, just seeing if, we, uh, if you're paying attention. I, I, will, um, I will point out something to you, Cameron. Uh, there is a rule in publishing that the uh, names of the authors will be, in, will be in alphabetical order. So since Michelle and I have been writing since 1995 or so, it's always been Alan Campion and Michelle Curtis. Yeah. But as Michelle's done the major revamp of this book, she said definitely Michelle Curtis. Followed by Alan Campion. So there you I go. I said something his, his name should be in smaller, smaller lettering. Print, but I said no. No. I'm going to start this off again and say, "In the Kitchen" by Curtis and Campion. There Thank we go. That's the pr- correct. Um, what I wanted to do was just to compliment you on the layout of this book because it. 
I've don't, never, we I, don't I, have anything to do with that part. But well, thank you. well, no, we do. Actually, yes. it was part of the discussion that we and, wanted. Yeah. And what it is, it's mm. part of the complete package that yeah. we're talking about. So it needs to be acknowledged, the mm. fact that the layout of this book is really, really, really mm. good. Unlike Ottolenghi, these recipes aren't humongous. They, they, they don't intimidate in any way at all. And they are so diverse. And actually, I wanted to talk to you. What on earth is an earthquake cookie? It's a cookie that looks like it's been an earthquake, so it's all a bit kind of rough and shaken and crusty. Mm. They're and very yummy. It sounds kind of, kind of yum. Mm. And, you know, when we look at iTunes... Um, what you can actually do is you can sort of hit the thing, the most played song that you have, and it's an easy way to go, wow, I have been listening to that yeah. an awful lot, you know. So, if we were, this was iTunes <laughs> and in the kitchen, which is, is there any recipes that you could say? How many are we allowed say, to choose? Three. Okay. The Holy Trinity. I get Trinity. to do two and you can do yeah, one hour. Okay. That's, that's completely fair. <laughs> you can do yours first. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm generous. Okay, so I, what I love cooking at the moment, I love uh, a ratatouille. I'll yes. just start a ratatouille. So you braise beautiful vegetables, particularly in springtime, but you can do it any time of the year and do mm. a winter version. Yep. Um, and I love doing meatballs. So I kind of do the two together and just braise and braise and simmer and simmer and the flavours intensify and you can just have that for the next three dinners or have two dinners and put one in the freezer and it's a great, wonderful, delicious go-to uh, dinner for me and do a chickpea salad and all those things on the side and you are done. Boom. Okay. okay. Was, was that, do you take two then or one? I reckon, <laughs> uh, the chicken meatballs is a... Yeah. Yeah, it's all a right. go-to for so sure. So the, the top of your chart, Michelle? So I'm going to say... The one pot chocolate cake that had yes. rave reviews from the first book. Yes. I would like to just point out um, when I did the cake chapter, I actually went through and cut a third of the sugar out of every recipe in the book. So, yeah, that's one thing that's changed, yeah, isn't it? That's one thing that's changed. And that recipe is also, can I, how am I, am I allowed to ramble on for a few minutes? Just very. We've got about four minutes. Okay, or I'll so. make it quick. When um, Ottolenghi and Helen Go released their Oops, sweet book, here we go. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to be controversial. Yeah. There's a recipe in their book, um, I think it's called The Famous Chocolate Cake. Mm. The recipes are almost identical. <gasps> Like seriously, and I don't honestly. I know obviously Helen was a Melbourne lawyers. chef twenty years ago, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying they're very similar. Just saying. Just, just saying. saying. I'm just, just putting saying. it out there. I looked at it, and went, "Oh my god, that's my chocolate cake recipe." It's my baby. It's my baby. What's my baby doing? Um, also, cook it at a lower temperature now. I found it's a much nicer cake. Cook moister. twenty degrees. Yeah, moister and just yep. nicer. Because yep. it's not crisping mm. up the top yeah. of it, so, so it keeps it moist. Not only are there new recipes in the book, I've perfected some of the others. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the other one I'm going to mention is the um, spaghetti with tuna and breadcrumbs, which is just yep. when we, it was in the original book, so many people would email and say, oh, my God, I've just cooked this for dinner. It's the best thing I've ever had. Yep. Really? Um, yeah. And you can basically do it with a packet of spaghetti, a tin of tuna and some old bread. And, and, and you've got a, and a yummy lemon. dinner and a, a lemon. lemon. And a, and a lemon. And the other thing I want to do kudos for is um, the Anzac biscuits because mm, there's a certain yes. technique in the way that that happens yes. yep. that it all comes together. How is your Anzac biscuit recipe a little bit different? It's um, because you melt the butter and mm. the golden syrup yep. and then you add the bicarb. And then it goes... Yep, yeah. it does. It it does it, there's a bit of chemistry, mm. there's a bit of science, and yeah. then you add in your dry ingredients. And I had a phone call this week from... A, someone that we all know in terms yes. of a wonderful gin maker. He was telling me about it too. made these biscuits <laughs> and they were mind-blowingly good. That's the word on the street. That <laughs> the word I yeah. heard as Anzac well. biscuits. That's what, uh, that's what they said. But also one of the things I love about this is the acknowledgement of the real world. And if you want to read the introduction in this book where it says, you know, everybody <laughs> says, you that. should cook fresh and everything should be fresh and do and in your intro, you say, you know what, paraphrasing, bugger that. Sometimes I just say, look, the hell with it. I'll just have a packet of chips and a bottle of wine. I'll yeah. sit on the couch. Friday, yeah. night, Friday night dinner. <laughs> and, and that's an acknowledgement of the real world. And yeah. this is what we're not perfect. No. But um, with this in your hands. It's emotionally satisfying food. It is. Mm. How much? 60. 60. It's mm. good. Available in. All good bookstores. Oh, good bookshops, yeah. Jesus. And, Fra- and, 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 and signed <laughs> copies you know, available yeah. at Frankie's Correct. bookshop. Correct, signed copies of Frankie's. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, books for cooks and readings and all, all the great 
stores across town. Yeah, and and a, and a huge thank you to Hardy Grant because they are taking this to the UK and the US as well. So there we go. Melbourne food is going far and wide. Well, the other one, um, the other ones that have, have done very well. Matt is giving us uh, the wind yes. up, um, folks. Can you dial a phone number? Of course you can. Well, nine three double eight. 1027 if you give us a ring we've got a copy to give away uh, and uh, we'd love you to have it we're going to go to a music track uh, we're going to have Nick Stanton on next you are listening to Eat It on 3 Triple R. my name is Cam Smith and across from me I have I'm Matt just waiting for you to hit the play button on the music there yeah <laughs> the play button is going to consider it hit uh, psychedelic Porn, <laughs> crumpets with cornflake. Thank you, guys. Thank Great you. to see you. Pleasure always. Keep rocking. Everybody's comfy. 12.44 here on 3 FM. It's the afternoon. You're listening to Eat It, of course, because that's the time slot that we inhabit. Matt, we have a winner. We just gave away one of Michelle and Alan's books to Dylan Lloyd. Congratulations, Dylan. He was very excited. You are. Got a free book. Should be. Should be. Benefits of sponsorship, I suppose. Yes. Across from me, I have looking very relaxed and uh, like he's having a good day off. Nick Stanton, a very, very good afternoon to you, buddy. G'day, mate. Hello. How, How are you? <laughs> I was getting a little bit too loose there. Lucky uh, I would have had to have gone the, the Yoast Baker swear jar there. Um, you come a long way from Tweed's heads, haven't you? Yes. It's, um, it's been a while. How long have you been cooking for now? Um, it's coming up. Oh, where are we? 15 years? Yeah. No, 16. 15. Oh, around. Yeah, know, well, so like a decade and a half, we could sort of say. Um, I have sort of regarded you in a way, and I hope you don't get too embarrassed by this, as the chef's chef. There are so many people out there that talk about the food that you do, and I think as you told me in the, in the place in Chapel Street, the incredible night where is pretty much the alumni of um, of some of the great chefs in Melbourne are coming to eat your food, and what a great compliment that is. Yeah, it's great. It's, I think it motivates you a lot mm. as, a, as a cook, getting you know people respected in the industry eating at the restaurant. Yeah. I think it's really important. It um, makes a, it's, it's exciting for everyone, really, everyone that works there too. And, and especially at the end of the night when people come out and smiling faces and go, that was great. Absolutely. That yeah. is a vindication of sort of where you've come from and one of the places one of the things that you've done that I, I think is kind of interesting is that you got to work in a big place for um you got your apprenticeship at it was conrad jupiter's yeah yeah the start, big kitchen yeah it started there a big i mean it was that was a crazy place it's um you start your apprenticeship and they, they have this crazy big production kitchen that's yeah. just focused on making stocks and sauces and frying I mean, I used to f do the fried eggs for the buffet. Oh, no. Okay. How many? But how's this? You, you, have, you, you fry the eggs the day before. Yes. Sorry, sorry, Conrad Jupiter's. Yeah, yeah. But that's Secrets wrong. out after all these things. <laughs> but literally, you come to work and you fry thousands of eggs, and that's all you do all day. Just... Mm. I mean, I can crack eggs with both hands now. That's kind of that's kind of cool. That's a skill. That's a skill. But, but you do, or, or just say Julienne a capsicum for seven hours. Exactly. The veg prep, the veg prep kitchen. You get in there at six in the morning, and you literally slice capsicum yeah. all day. That's that's literally one job someone does in that kitchen. I remember working intercontinental in another age where um, I was. They threw me in when I first got in banqueting. Same sort of deal. And I remember one day having to do satays for eight hours. And it was just, you know, this giant industrial-sized tubs of chickens and a, a box of satay sticks. And they just said – and this French guy just said, okay, Cameron, we will come and see you in eight hours. Good luck. And he just left me alone in this thing. I'm just – and I thought my life had ended. But that's what is you, that's where you turn to a robot. Yes, you do. But I guess what's really, really great about a big kitchen is all the different sections that you can observe and see things happening. Like there's yep. a there would have been a butchery section. Yep, butchery yep. shop, butchery fish shop, uh, veg, garmage, literally like garmage, chef, garmage, yeah, um, larder, yeah, mate, <laughs> yeah, mate, garmage, garmage, uh, literally all just cold dishes and doing plate ups. Like, doing banquet plate-ups was... Like, I remember doing, like, some functions of up to 7,000 people, and there's just... 
chef after chef after chef, just this big line of plates just going across, and you're, you've just got one job put that leaf. <laughs> Six o'clock on the plate. Yes. Six o'clock on the plate. Six o'clock. That's the spot there where it, where it goes. But through that, I think you get to see all sorts of different things. You get um, immersed in all sorts of different things. Again, for me, uh, Intercop was just seeing um, pastry section and seeing at the beginning of the shift nothing and then the end of the shift just trays and trays and trays of food that had been produced and I think it was kind of extraordinary. Yeah. Absolutely, it's it's funny with um, especially pastry chefs. Like some some kitchens I've worked in, like pastry chefs sometimes have the biggest days out of everyone. They need yes, to, they need to be there first to make bread. Yep, and they have to be there last to do desserts. It sounds like art department in film production in a way. First to come, and last, <laughs> last to leave. Okay, so anyway, we need to uh, to go forward. You went and did sort of the mandatory trip to the UK, worked with Gordon Ramsay, survived that, came to Melbourne for more Gordon Ramsay action in Mays, yep. survived that. Um, just what, what, what did you get from all that? What did you learn from that? There was a lot of sous vide action, didn't you? You were saying we were talking. Yeah, about, I mean, because that was the time we, of the, the great sous vide. The, the the sous vide stage of your career is probably the worst part. To be brutally honest, it's um, why I just think it's it's not the right way to cook. It's it's too it's too robotic and and wasteful. Yeah, like, I just don't understand. If you've got a beautiful piece of meat and then you put it in a plastic bag. Yes. And then you put it in lukewarm water. Water. Just season it and cook it properly, will you? Like, uh, so. <laughs> that's an amazing. So, uh, but we were talking about that the other day and you were saying that, um, where was it in London that you were at with um, Ramsey? Uh, Devonshire. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think, was that the place where you said you were doing sous vide and the end of the night you would have a rubbish bin full of those plastic bags? Yeah, there's a few places I've worked, it's, it's been like that, where, you know, you've got all your portion meats and um, you you heat them up yeah. with the timer, yeah. open the bag and then put it on the tray and put it on the pass for the chef to plate. Yes. And then by the end of service, you have a big booked out night, you've, just, you've got a rubbish bin that's full of empty plastic sous vide bags and they're thick it's not that's big robust bits of plastic yeah. there too it's not not really really good so you've sort of eschewed that it's like that that's gone and um in the place that you are at at the moment rambler which is in chapel street um i was lucky enough to come and sit at the bar and i would recommend for anybody just to come and sit at the bar and watch how these guys work because it, it is just a, a beautiful thing to watch, but it's old school in in the fact that the the pendulum has swung, hasn't it, in regards to what you cook on? Do you want, do you want to maybe describe your line that you cook on? Yeah, so like the the whole cooking line, we've got we've got the uh, the larder section, and we've got the, okay, no- left, the, yeah. the yeah. noodle the noodle section noodle. slash garnish, yeah, and then sauce meat section. So yeah. classic. Target top burner yeah, doesn't get much more classic than that. Can you describe what a target top is for those yeah, that haven't so seen one? Target top, big. It's basically a big stove with, in the middle of it, it's Con- it's the hottest, and you move your pans to the side. It's concentric it's, rings of flame and heat of the sun in the middle, <laughs> like <it>. super <laughs> duper hot. And you're able to finesse that, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, to do that, and then to the side of that, the charcoal pit. Yes. What made you decide to to cook on solid fuel? Well, we st- when Rambler started, we started with the six burner and a target top, and um, we were we just needed to get the restaurant open at that stage, and we didn't have time to think about you know getting a grill built for what we need, and mm. but um, it, it worked out perfect because basically the rotisserie charcoal pit we had at Leonard's, we were making. All our charcoal chicken for the charcoal chicken fries. Oh, we should probably just stop here and just quickly describe Leonard's House Love. Leonard's um, <laughs> um, what is that place? It's it's a log cabin. It is 1970s style log cabin party yeah. bar, American style burgers, fried chicken, but with a lot of a little bit of Aussie charcoal chicken influence in it as well. Yeah. And, 
yeah, it's just the place to come and hang and have a good time, really. And excuse the digression, listeners, um, but the whole idea, it was... In going into Leonard's, was it... It was some sort of saw it for you and and talked to you saying, dude, what are you doing? Have you given up? Why yeah. why have you why have you sort of let go, man? And going into Leonard's, just sort of concentrating on chicken and burgers. Yeah, it's, it was a it was a strange one when I first started. A lot of a lot of chef mates said to me like, what, what are you doing? Let's you you're leaving the restaurant game and you're going to do burgers and fried chicken. Didn't make sense to a few people, but I mean. Food's food at the end of the day if it's... And from what I'm hearing, the dedication that you brought to just, like, getting the mix right for the chicken, how long did that take? Yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of uh, sort of um, testing and um, getting the right products and... Are we talking hours and hours and hours and hours and hours yeah. of getting stuff right? And yeah, I think it's more so sourcing, sourcing the right ingredients in terms, like, you know, like... Um, our good friend Russell, who's the our chicken farmer from Millowa, Millowa mm-hmm. Chickens. He's, Ooh, yeah, okay. he's a really good friend of ours, and you know, focusing on having good, good meat, good produce, and and you know, the funda- that's your, that's your foundation. That's the your fundamentals, foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you know, and then we build from that. It's like you know, the burger buns. Like to, I mean, the most important part about a burger is probably well the patty and the bun, really. Yep. Like, if the bun's not right, the burger's not going to be right. And went through many different suppliers and, you know, it's it's a it's a bit of a mission to get that right because, yeah, the sourcing of it. So I guess what, what I'm saying is that uh, so you came across from doing, doing Leonard's and what get the success of Leonard's allowed you to get the space in Chapel Street and... It's a dark and brooding space, and I love it. Um, first of all, it's sort of like it's like something really special is going on. I'm looking across at Matt in the fact that all the windows are blacked out in the front, and I don't know. I can't think of any other restaurants that have actually done that. Why did you do that? When we first opened Rambler, the the whole venue is it was very bright mm. um, too was, bright there's a lot of we've got we've it's got the bright, we've yeah. got the beautiful um, pretty looking chemist warehouse straight across the road with that lovely <laughs> yellow oh, signage it's yeah. just staring at us like, they, like they a, like to leave their lights on all night they just love wasting wasting power and electricity doing, yes yeah so basically it was that and we had a few we also had a few issues with um, the area there's obviously um, South Yarra, South Yarra. There's, there's a lot of um, interesting people around that area. And, like, uh, for example, one day in the middle of service, this guy comes into the restaurant and gets on his hands and knees and starts kissing the restaurant floor and calling everyone snakes and devils. Oh, we've got a problem here, Houston. Yeah. Yes, okay. So it was that, you know, a, a bunch of things. We're like, you know what, we, we kind of didn't, we didn't get the design right. Let's shut the doors for a week. Yes. Let's uh, start doing what? me and my two business partners, Guy and Harper, what we're really into and what we believe in and stop trying to look what everyone else is doing and just focus on what we believe in. And mm. shutting off the street, making it feel like you're not on Chapel Street was one, one Very thing. Very important want, thing. Yeah, like it's... It's like you go in there and you feel like you feel like you're somewhere else. I think that's imp- that's an important thing to any venue, any restaurant. Gotcha. The other thing that you did was you embraced your fear in a way, in the fact that you went into an area that you didn't know so much about, which was Asian cuisine. Is that correct? Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Why why did that happen? Uh, I've always it's I mean Chinese food, for example. I'd, I'd say that's probably my favourite food to eat, mm. hands down, and. I've always loved Asian food, always wanted to cook it. Unfortunately, never trained in any um, Asian restaurants. It was all French, Spanish, Italian, yep. which is great. Yeah. But if yeah. I could reverse time, I'd, I would have loved – I mean, I would have loved to work with Flower Drum when I was younger. <laughs> wow, yes. In the dim sum section. That would be that would be a dream. Well, there's a repetition for you. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically just came to the point where it's like, well – I can still use Asian flavors. I just got to use my European cooking techniques and kind of go from there. And it's it's sort of organically falling into this sort of 
rhythm of, um, I guess, our own style was what, and that's what kind of Rambler is about. Yeah. And it's also no pigeonholing, no rules. There's there's no rules to our cooking and what we do. Like we, you know, to keep to keep the food exciting and to also keep the cooks excited is having a world full of ingredients, a world full of flavours, and just combine it in a smart manner and create some interesting dishes. Uh, a world full of ingredients without microherbs? Oh, microherbs. <laughs> Flowers? <laughs> <laughs> so there's no microherbs? No microherbs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got... Uh, wow, gosh, we've run... This went fast, didn't it, Nick? It did. Yeah, you were worried about where we were going to do it. Um, the name of the restaurant, of course, is Rambler. Uh, do you know the street? I'll just look it up, huh? Just look it up. And uh, the fact is that not only embracing uh, Asian flavours and techniques, I mean, you've done something which I think is just heroic, man, the doing ramen during the daytime. So you can eat the – you can have the very, very special menu at night or ramen – during the day, yeah? Yeah. How many exactly. days a week? Five days a week at the moment, Tuesday to Saturday. Yes. From 12 to 4. So it's basically the ramen is the beginning to our lunch menu. We want to add a lot more of Chinese noodle influences to the menu as well. Mm. But I figure once we get started, let's start with ramen and yeah. move from there. And that's, yeah, it's, it's falling in place, which is which is great. Well, so far, so good anyway. <laughs> well, you're doing it well, Nick. Congratulations on what you cook, how you cook, and the ethos that you bring to the line with your other people that you work with. Um, I think it's amazing, and uh, I can't wait to have your food again. Thanks, mate. No worries. Um, it's one o'clock. It is. We should... Uh, Vamos! Scuttle along and leave it to Sunday lunch. Yeah. And Johnny Von Goes. And JVG. And all the rest of the great mm. uh, stuff that's on the radio in the afternoon that makes the trip such a great place to hang out. Yeah. All right. Um, thanks again, mate. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Let's get out of here. Let's go. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.